We've got a late episode released today. Yeah, it's been a rough, what, is this day four or day three? Yeah. I've lost track. My God, we have been so fucking sick. Uh, it's not COVID. It is not COVID. That's no. the good thing about it. It's some stomach bug that Asher brought home from daycare. <laughs> yeah. So there's no there's no chest stuff at all. No there's fevers. no fevers. There's none of that kind of stuff. That's how we know it's not COVID. But nausea and, you know unspeakable things that we won't say on the <laughs> podcast. We'll talk about a lot of fucking shit, but I won't say that word. <laughs> Oop. <laughs> you will, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about our drinks real quick. Because uh, uh, they're kind of... Um, yeah. So we're having noon teenies today. Noon teenies. Okay. Noon teenies. So... Uh, what is a noon teeny, babe? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, you can go ahead and take a drink. Okay, a, let me try. Noon teenies are well, noon is mm, an electrolyte um, drink that's like a sports drink, um, but uh, we put grenadine and vodka into it and made a cherry limeade noon teeny. Uh, it's pretty yum, I have to say. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's good for us. <laughs> <laughs> well, being that I'm on uh, noon or electrolytes and saltine crackers for the last three and a half days. Yeah, seriously. I, uh, yeah, this is about, I'm not sure how the vodka part's going to do with me. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, you know, I hadn't even felt like drinking any kind of alcohol for the past several days because we just felt like shit. And last night I was kind of feeling a little bit better and I, I drank just a little whiskey. Um I think it actually settled my stomach a bit. So there's something in there that just needs <laughs> killed. <laughs> yeah. I need to kill it with liquor. <laughs> no, we have literally been laying in our bed, binging. The all best shows. Oh, oh, the shows we could talk about that yeah, we have discovered. Yeah. We, But literally, we, we've been in bed for like three days and my back is now in spasms <laughs> because I am just so tired of this. I've never been so unproductive and that's yes. killing me. So. Which is, uh, uh, which is you know, an issue that we could probably talk about a little bit. But. Oh, me being unproductive is an issue? <laughs> no, just... Oh, my God. <laughs> no, me feeling like being... You feeling some, like you're worthless because you're being <laughs> because you're being unproductive. unproductive. Yeah, is a problem. Yeah, which yeah. you know you're not being unproductive. Your body is uh, producing the healing that you need yeah. right now, so yeah. it needs all of its attention there. Yeah. So yeah, we were. It, that's why we're releasing this podcast so late. Actually, is because we, we, we kept trying about, yesterday. Yeah, we, we kept trying yesterday. Uh, we, we kept thinking we were going to on Friday even. Yeah. We, you know, kind of woke up this morning and we're like, maybe we can get in this morning, you know, and, and, and it was just like, we just aren't there yet. Yeah. So we're, we're actually feeling just a little bit better this mm -hmm. afternoon. As long as and, we don't eat, we're okay. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> kind of what it comes down to. So, yeah. um, anyway, anyway, it's, uh, it's, it's no a fun, fun Labor Day weekend. Let yeah, me tell yeah, you. Yeah. 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 It's no fun being <laughs> sick. You know, we were talking, <laughs> we, we like, you forget that there are other infectious diseases out there. <laughs> well, we really haven't been sick. I mean, no. other than a like a sinus infection or something yeah. like that um, since all of this pandemic started. So right, it's right. kind of like I forgot how to be sick. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's not all just COVID. Out mm -hmm. there. there are other things that are nasty and miserable yeah. as well. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I, I'm really glad it's not COVID. Um, but, uh, but this certainly has been like... 
hanging on for a while. I mean, Friday yeah. was really bad well, for actually, all of us. After... Sydney was sick. You were sick. I was sick. Yeah, um, we all, all of us adults got sick on the same day. And yeah. I came home from work and uh, early and... Um, but Asher had been sick before, even went to the ER because he was dehydrating so quickly from this. Yeah, that was Wednesday. I went and picked him up. Yeah. From the daycare because he was throwing up all over the daycare. No, it was actually workers. Tuesday because. Was it Tuesday? I, yeah, because Wednesday he went to the hospital and then Thursday mm, we were all sick. That's true. And I've been home since Thursday middle of the oh, day. Oh, that was Thursday. Oh, I know. See, we're in God. a we're in a time where nobody really cares about this right now. But us. Oh, come on. Let's, <laughs> let's you know, I, yeah, I, I, I like to think people care. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah, it's, uh, but it's, it's a doozy, a doozy. A, yeah. So, but it, you know, it does keep in perspective though, like, you know, hearing about, you know, people that get really sick with COVID and that kind of stuff and, you know, just how terrible it is to be sick. Yeah, it's um, not fun. And especially with, you know, like the, the potential long-terminess of, you know, COVID, COVID uh, long-term COVID, that it's uh, just like, God, it's just horrible. You know, it's horrible to feel like shit, you know? So um, anyway, so drinking our noon teenies here yeah. so, we can, <laughs> yeah. so we can get better. <laughs> this is our medicine. <laughs> We're going to call this, it kind of looks like pink medicine, doesn't it? So. Uh. Yeah, because usually this is a cherry, uh, is it cherry a ch- limeade? Char- cherry limeade. Yeah, um, that's why I called noon. it a cherry limeade noontini. Yeah. So. Um, oh, I said it's, I put. It's kind of like cough syrup. I said I put vodka and cherry limeade noon and grenadine in it, but I also put lime in it too because yeah. it's a cherry lime. Well, I so think the lime is what tasty. keeps it from tasting like cough medicine. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is probably what it is. I think it tastes awesome. No, so, it does taste good. Yeah. So. Um, and it has some merit to it also, you know, because we're getting electrolytes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, on our empty stomachs, this should be interesting. By the end yeah, of this podcast. yeah, this may be a really interesting <laughs> podcast. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that ends up going. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been crazy. So, you know, now this is the part I don't know if anybody cares about or not. But, uh, you know, last week we had mentioned that, you know, for our you know, for people who are following Rethink and what we're doing with that, that, uh, that I was going to have our next course released, you know, yes, last we week. Yes, we were going to by this weekend. Yeah, and then, like you said, I went and picked up Asher on Tuesday because he was sick and I yeah. babysat him the rest of the day. And then, you know, Wednesday, mm-hmm. he was home and he was crying all day. And there's, that's not an app, that's not <laughs> conducive <laughs> to recording videos. And, and then we're all sick on Thursday yeah. together, you know, and all that, you know, and it's just been... It's, you know, so I, uh, I, well, I don't feel bad, I guess. That's what I'm saying. No, I don't feel just, bad. It's just the way it we'll is. Work on so. it this week. Yeah. So. yeah. so, and then we're going to take our, our pod on the road. Oh, I'm so And um, I've got some time off of work. And yeah. so we're going to head over Seattle way and just work our way down the coast. Yep. And we have no idea no what agenda. we're doing. What well, we're we have, doing we have an agenda staying. for two nights. Uh, the first two nights, going to Seattle, we're going to meet up with some friends there. And and uh, and then after that, who knows? Yeah. Who knows what's happening after that? So we're just going to go where the wind takes us. No. So. It'll be interesting because Washington has some pretty um, strict mandates right now. Um, you know, with 
um, masking and um, yeah. trying to keep everything open as best we can. Um, we had talked about trying to get over the drunk ex-pastors who we had on our podcast yep. um, earlier in the season um, have opened a restaurant and um, well, one of them, one has. of them has, yes. yeah, <laughs> and um, and so we're hoping to maybe you know stop in there, but um, you know everything changes on a daily basis right. in a pandemic, so we'll right. see, but um, but yeah, we're just we we have no plan, um, we don't even know if not having a plan works with pulling a trailer behind you. We haven't <laughs> experienced that yet. We haven't done this before, so we're uh, really excited to try it. Yeah. So, well, you know, we'll have... I'm just hoping for ocean views as often as possible. Yeah. So the, the first two nights, we have an RV park. Right. So with full hookups. So so we'll, we will shower the first two days. Yeah, and we'll <laughs> fill our water tanks and be ready to hit the road, you know, and kind of just take our time getting to wherever, you know, the next yeah. place is. So we'll have water. We'll have our generator for power. We'll have, we'll be carrying our food with us, you know, so we'll have a place to sleep. What else could we need? I don't know. <laughs> Just to pull off on the side of the road. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, maybe we find some, you know, road that just leads us right down on the beach and that's where we spend the night. And then we wake up with ocean up to our wheel wells or something. I, I, I don't, don't know. know. We've got to be careful like that, I guess. But yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so our uh, next week's podcast, uh, well, actually, the next two podcasts, potentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah probably. Just because of the way, way we're hitting the weekend. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be podcasts, our Pod. podcasts. Our podcasts, yeah. <laughs> so, I still think we should have done that. Back to our roots. Back to our roots, yeah. Yeah, back to our roots. Yeah, I'm about so. ready to sell this house and just do this full yes, time. Yes, yes, I know. Although we, we haven't done this yet, so I don't know if it'll work. <laughs> yes, this might be a little trial here. If, if we can do one week, maybe we can do full time. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how that goes. So. Yeah. Anyway, we're looking forward to that. We haven't had a vacation together since our last four-day camping trip that we had. And, yeah. You know, and then I'm, we hadn't I'm had a exhausted. vacation before yeah. that since uh, Cannon Beach. On our anniversary, and they've been they've been short. They've been you know four days at the max, and um, yeah. So I'm I'm ready for just some downtime and uh, nobody telling me where I need to be, what time I need to be there. What does the day bring? Right. Where do you want to go today? Do you want to stay put? Yeah, that's that's what I'm. We will miss little dude. Oh yeah. There's no doubt we will. Yeah. Um, And of course, other two girls, but you know whatever. So, um, <laughs> um, but we will miss the little man probably most of all. We'll probably get a little heartsick. Of, yeah, you know, I think so. Of, of not seeing We're quite him. attached, especially after him being sick. He's so cuddly right so now. Oh, cuddly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He started this new thing though. We were showing him videos, TikToks and Instagrams mm. of um, this, this uh, husky account we follow. Yes. And they have um, Husky. It's the Husky Moon. And um, it's a very verbal Husky. Yes. And ours isn't quite as verbal. Right. The Husky we have now. Um, but uh, but we watch these videos uh, because they do such a great job yes. of capturing this, yes. th- this Husky. And so Asher was just glued to these, watching them with me uh, yes. yesterday, the day before. And so now he's going around the house, throwing his head back, like, up to the sky and howling. Ooh! <laughs> it is the cutest thing. It is. It is so very cute. So very so, cute. So, and that, now him and Mishka will talk to each other. 
in yes. this howl. He'll start yeah. howling, and Mishka will howl back, and yeah, it's yes. it's pretty sweet. <laughs> so yes, I'm going to miss him. Um, now I don't want to ruin that, but he was watching Paw Patrol this morning. <laughs> oh no. And in Paw Patrol, they all throw their heads back and howl, and he was howling right along with them. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll say. That oh, it's totally husky. It's man. totally husky. Yeah. <laughs> That's where he got it. Mm-hmm. But then he was like, oh, also, my cartoon does it. Yeah. That's what it is. That's yeah. the correct order of things. <laughs> <laughs> it's been really interesting, though, to watch um, when. When Sydney was pregnant with Asher, uh, before we knew she was pregnant, she didn't find out she was pregnant until she was 19 weeks pregnant. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, whole nother story. But yes. otherwise uh, known as almost halfway there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, best pregnancy ever. Um, but uh, prior to that, we our our husky Mishka had gotten very clingy to Sydney. And would sit oh, on the yeah. couch with her and then just rest her head on her tummy all the time. And it was like this new thing she was doing because she doesn't yeah. do that with any of us. Yeah. And we just thought, wow, this is kind of a new thing and different and a little strange. And and then we found out she was pregnant and we realized that Mishka knew all along. Yeah. She could probably hear him. In the, yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. And so she got very connected with Sydney's belly during the rest of the pregnancy. Yeah. And then Asher comes, and she's not so sure. She yeah, likes that was this a, little guy. Yes, there was some... <laughs> there, she was not the center of attention like she no, used to be. No, <laughs> but she was also very concerned when he cried, and it was a yeah. lot of adjustment. And yeah. But watching them grow up, or watching Asher grow up next to Mishka... Yeah. Um, he's getting to that point where they're not quite equals yet, but they're getting closer. And Asher is learning to say, go outside. Yeah. Or no. Or calling Mishka. Or feed her all of his dinner. Well, yeah. That's the only reason Mishka, Mishka probably likes him. But um, so watching them kind of um, adjust to the age and the height and all of that has been really interesting. And, yeah. Um, and he's very... Very concerned about Asher when he's sick or when he's upset right. or anything. Right. So it's, it is a sweet relationship to watch emerge. I'm sure this doesn't matter to anybody, but it does <laughs> to me. <laughs> hey, this is our sacred space. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> we anyway. get to, we get to, you know, this is all sacred to us, right? Yeah. So we get yeah. to, we get to talk about whatever we want to. So um, it is kind of the, the light in the midst of a really crazy world right now. And yeah, because uh, it is knocking thoughts out there. Yeah. I, um, I, I kind of had an epiphany actually when somebody responded to a post of mine, um, probably maybe two weeks ago, a week ago, when um, I was just kind of expressing how heavy everything felt and um, that the justice side of me wants to. F- fix all the problems of the world and I obviously can't and I I know that but you feel this tension within yourself to want to do that and they uh, made a comment that um, wow I hadn't ever thought that someone who's justice driven in their values would carry this in this way Hmm. and it made me realize that not everybody carries it the same way so um, it was a kind of an epiphany moment for me to 
realize a couple of things, something about myself, but something about other people, that some people can just keep moving through the world. And um, it's not that these things don't affect them, but they don't carry them the same way. Um, where I feel um, such an urgency and uh, I see things through the lens of justice. So everything becomes, for me, a lot of things become a human rights issue. Mm. And um, and I uh, that is very... Um, unsettling for me and so I'm a I'm a little worn out um being sick and binging other kinds of (laughs) information you know to other shows that um are fictitious uh, are probably good for me um to step away from a little bit but but it's it's been it's been tough um yeah I there was uh, something that came across um locally for us um, a post, um, Spokane Rising is a, a, a Facebook account that, um, posts some things locally that have been going on. They've been, I, I became aware of them when the pandemic kicked off and they were reporting a lot of information from the health department and, um, uh, just things that were going on locally, but more on a, probably more on a justice level. Yeah. Um, it's a definite justice orientation. Yeah. Yeah. And just looking for our local government to make things right um, for all people involved and that sort of thing. And uh, um, they posted something about uh, kind of a repost of um, something the city had put out in regards to the homeless situation. Mm. And it was a video interview um, uh, that they put out as their own promotion. It wasn't like a news interview um, regarding the littering that was happening due to the homeless um, community that was um, were being overtaken by litter, basically. And, um, man, that just got me so uh, frustrated. And, and Sydney and I responded to the post, and, and for me it became a human rights issue. Um, and I know this is condensing a very big topic into a very small conversation, but Sydney had asked, she goes, I saw, Mom, that you responded to this. She goes, what part of this are you having a problem with? And she says, they're talking about litter. And I said, yeah, they're talking about litter in regards to people who don't have homes, people who are living, um, you know, meal to meal, and they're putting um, local charities um in the line of fire for even feeding the homeless because it's causing littering problems. Yeah, with you know, you know, quite, um, quite a large population of whom doesn't even necessarily have the uh, mental wherewithal to even think about their footprint. You know? Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, like, for, there's so many things wrong with yeah. this. I mean, um, a couple years ago. Um, Spokane did this big renovation downtown where they, um, all the areas in which uh, people were um, standing on the corners asking for money and food and things like that, um, they started putting up these, they look like pigeon spikes, like you put on your roof to keep pigeons off your roof. And they started putting them up all over town in areas where um, people had been, um, I guess, loitering for money and stuff and um, to move them out of town and to move them out of the the main throwaways. 
Um, there is risk. I, I, there's one pathway through downtown that um, makes me so nervous to drive because sometimes people just step out into the road and it's really scary and right. all of that. So that there's, I understand that there is an issue down there, but it just felt like we're going to deal with, you know, people on a surface level by moving them out of sight by placing these pigeon spikes all over town. Right. And um, I'm not giving my opinion here or anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, I I took a, a littering um, issue, and for me it became a human rights issue, that we've missed the whole... I, the whole problem behind the litter that we're so focused on what our our city looks like that we aren't actually you know interested in um, the systemic problem that exists in a, um, a high homeless population here in Spokane. Right. So um, so yeah, it was just interesting because it was another one of those revelations for myself that Jess, you really do see everything through this lens, and um, I, I'm sure that has its you know pros and cons, but. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it, it just it taints every, sure, it, everything for me in that lens. You I don't know, know that I call it taints. Um, well, it, it I colors. don't know. I don't, yeah, it colors, colors okay. everything. Yeah, um, for you and and uh, you talk about it. You know, I don't know if it's a good thing, a bad thing. You know, here, there, or the other, or whatever. It, it just is. That just is who you are, and so it's you know, it's one of those things of you know, how do you. Um, how do you exist within that? And, and sometimes you exist within that in a, in a way that you believe is very healthy and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, good for you and for the causes that you center on and and that sort of thing. And then I think there are some times when you would even say that you fixate on in unhealthy ways and it can drag you down. Oh yeah. Tell me how that's different for anyone out there though, in their, whatever their particular bent is. Right. So you can do the same thing with somebody who. You know, I, again, I start thinking Enneagram numbers, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, an Enneagram 7 who is, like, living for the moment. You know, okay, when, when unhealthy, then they go into binging hedonism. And it's, you know, it's, and that's... That's a huge generalization, but yes, <laughs> I guess. I, I'm just, I, I yeah. we're dealing with huge generalizations right, right, right now. Right. I'm saying that, you know, you know, th- there's always... The, the chance, you know, for somebody like me in Enneagram 9 who is, you know, who is has a core function of peace and all that, that, you know, when I am very unhealthy, I become very inward and uncommunicative and all that because I'm just trying to preserve. And everybody is right. Nobody is wrong. And, exactly. And I don't want to argue with anybody. I don't want to, you know, just. And I'm like, just take a fucking side. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and I'm saying, so this is your thing, yeah. you know. Um, and so and I think. I think one of the things that's that's tough for you, and it's a little unfair that our world is kind of bent this way, but it just it is just the nature of it that we live in, is that, you know, justice, you know, when, when it comes to a, a justice orientation, it, those those things tend to be more vocalized, mm-hmm. more out in front, right? Whereas for somebody like me, if I go into an unhealthy binge, it's repressed, quiet. I just kind of, you know, I become unnoticed. Whereas if, you know, if you become, a, you know, like fixated on a justice issue, well, then you become a bitch, right? Um, and I'm not saying you actually do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my eyes got a little big there for a second. <laughs> I'm saying in the yeah, yeah. eyes of how people right, right. view you, you know, right, it's, you right. know, that kind of thing, right? Yeah. And that is so unfair. 
because it's they're they're both on I mean they can they both have their unhealthy aspects right yeah yeah um I think though that um you know <laughs> binging a lot of tv I do a, a lot of analyzation of like character lines right. and how people write the story of a character and and um just paying attention to this the the different struggles that um a screenwriter or an author wants to place on that particular character. Right. And um, and I think about how, you know, I, I can reflect that back to myself and say, you know, what are these particular, you know, struggles and, and things for me in the world? Um, oftentimes, though, the ones who change the world are the ones who end up being quite alone in moving yeah. against this, um, the way things have always been. Yes. And yeah. so I, th- I think that, um, it's this balance for me of always measuring the cost. Um, we see beautiful stories written about it though. You know, like, right. um, we, we often see that the ending, the happy ending where somebody, you know, decides to take on, <laughs> big cigarette company or take on something. Right. right? right. And, and we, we get to see the full story in the movie or we get to see the full story after it's already played out, cleaned up the cleaned up version, but, (laughs) but in the middle of it for people who are justice driven, um, it's, it's very, it's very lonely, Mm -hmm. um, kind of person to be because, um, it's like, you're always shooting an arrow through the bullshit. And um, nobody really likes that. You're not really somebody that people, you know, want in a social setting. Hey, let's talk about politics. Nope, Jess is here. You know, like, <laughs> no, I'm saying it's... it's. Hey, I, 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 I totally get what you're saying right now. Yeah. I totally get what it's, you're saying. It's, a, it's an interesting space to be. I, I stood up for ourselves this week um, on social media um, because I got really pissed off at what was happening on TikTok. Um uh, by a certain person who seems to act like they know us, but I don't know yeah, that they I, do. I'm assuming I, I at this know. point that, that if they it's ever were to step, it's getting stalkerish, and yeah, it's if they really, were to ever step out of the shadows and <laughs> reveal yeah. themselves, that we would know who they are. But I, at this point, I'm like, you know, whatever. Right. The but fuck, it got to a point where we had to report them yeah, to TikTok yeah. because they were well, they were threatening, threatening us. us. Yeah, like and actually threatening. Yeah. yeah. So I, um, but I made a post on my own social media, not on TikTok, because they're very different platforms and you can, you have to do different things with them. And I thought, you know, I am, I don't want, uh, I'm tired of being misunderstood, you know, and tired of being held to um, somebody else's standard of what they believe is, you know, truth or whatever. And, um, and just kind of laid it out. Well, I found it interesting <laughs> because I lost like, you know, 10 followers from that. And um, and so it's more of that, it, which isn't a big deal. I don't even know who they are. But but saying my truth and standing for this, you know, don't treat me this way, um, you know, costs something. It costs fewer people in your life, which, you know, if they're not going to follow me anymore, it's probably great because they didn't like my truth anyway. Yeah. But... Um, but it's still, it's just kind of, I think anybody who's working, usually they're people working in nonprofits, they're people who are, um, you know, advocacy roles, you know, that kind of thing that they're, they're working against, um, 
the system. They're working against the social norms to make change to fight for something. And I just really kudos to them because it's, it is lonely space. It is. Um, and I'm not, you know, defending me right now. <laughs> um, but also recognizing that, uh, I mean, we are very fortunate to have each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That we don't have to be alone, alone. Right. Right. Um, and I'm not saying that we, I mean, we're, we're not talking about that we don't have friends. We no. have friends who love us and yeah, we yeah, love yeah. them. And we're not talking about that. We're just talking about that our, our uh, social circle is very small mm-hmm. um, because we're a lot. <laughs> we are. We are. We're a lot. Yeah. Um, and we don't try to hide it. We don't try to, we just are who we are and we, we don't want to be offensive. Yeah. We don't, we don't even necessarily think that we are offensive, but we know that people are offended by yeah. us and that people don't like our viewpoints on things and the people, you know, and, and I think there's a, a, a part of it where it's like, you know, you and I are both, I mean, it's something that we have in common. We're, mm-hmm. we're like, it's a, it's part of the ethos of our home. Actually, our girls are this way too. Yeah. We're all very justice oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it looks very different for each one of us. It too. absolutely does. Um, and, and I think that you and I resonate within that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it looks very different for us too. Yeah. You know, um, you, no, you're able to, you are able to separate yourself a bit from it. When I take on a justice issue, it becomes very personal. Yeah. But there's good very... and bad in me being able to separate myself from it too. I mean, there's, you know, again, that's, that's part of my coping mechanism sometimes is that is the bifurcation of, you know, cutting that piece over there and putting it in that container and mm-hmm. saying, okay, we're going to deal with it now and I'm not going to deal with it. And it just doesn't exist for me right now. You know, mm-hmm. and you don't have that ability, nor do you have that desire to do that. No. Um, and so, it, which is a, a point of contention for us at times, it, you know, that we have, I think, worked intensely at, um, f- at resolving, you yeah. know, so that we, we have found a way to work right. through that quite well together. Um, but, uh, but it's, again, it's a, there is always a cause. There is always, yeah. um, there's always injustice. There is always, you know, because there, it's a, again, we're, to whatever level, it's a, it's a broken world. Yeah. I mean, there are, because you, you have certain ones who truly care about the betterment of all and, and work towards being a, a part of a worldwide and close at home community that is, we're all growing and developing together. And then you have people who are just set out for themselves and they will do whatever it takes to secure their position in, in life. And they mm-hmm. want to build tall walls around themselves and their property and, and then the country even. Um, and they want to, in you know, hoard as much as they can. They want to, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then you have people that are actually just bent on destruction. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are. And, and this is part of what we we come up against in you know on, on social media social yeah. media is like is like a uh is like a hive for Ugh. these ones that where they can congregate and they can find their own destructive communities to where then they just like 
lash out from the yeah. shadows, you know, yeah. it's, and it's, it's that, you know, just, uh, from that place of I, what I think ultimately becomes like deep, deep insecurity and cowardice, you know? Yeah. Um, and that just is that, you know, angry, bitter kind of, you know, people for whatever reason. Um, it's, it, um, there's not much consequence for someone on no, social media to no. be able to lash out. Um, there's great consequence for you and I, um, ha- hosting a platform where we are trying to communicate something right. or to encourage people to um, to think through the things that they actually believe, um, it, it it is at cost to us. It's at cost to us and our family right. at times. But um, but for someone who's you know lurking around behind anonymous names um, and saying whatever they want to say, they can they can make up whatever thing they want to, or they can have a perspective on us based on a couple of clips. Um, and come to conclusions. And and I, I mentioned to you the other day, I said, you know, we've heard about a couple of people off of TikTok who've, um, you know, who've had breakdowns or, you know, even committed suicide after being on the platform for a long time. And I, and I get it. It's like uh, so much attack with no relevance to the fact that you're still a human being. You're not just a picture of some, you're not just somebody talking on a video. You're an actual real human being. Um, and I think people have have moved away from, uh, for whatever reason, their cowardness or whatever, um, insecurities, um, to actually feeling that somebody else on the other side of social media is a human being. Um, that's the risk we take with being quite global this way and right. getting big messages out. I know this is going to take us in an interesting direction, and you're going to be freaking out watching the time on um, how, how long we've been on the podcast. But I want to go here, and I want you to not care about time. Okay. Okay? We have plenty of time. Okay. Um, and if your stomach starts bothering you, we'll just push pause. <laughs> right. For that word we don't talk, talk about. about. Right. You've only said shit how many times, but we won't say Oh, time. but that's different. <laughs> anyway, um, I want to talk about the Teen Center. We haven't actually really talked about that. Um, as a project that we did, and okay, um, it was uh, it 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 was huge. It was a huge uh, point in our life, um, and it was bigger than we even thought it was. It was, and it was a catalyst to where we are currently today. Yeah, and um, and I think it it was birthed from a social justice issue. It totally was, and um, and so I I feel like I just I'd love to just talk about that a little bit. Um, talk. <laughs> <laughs> so you and I were presented with an option when we moved back to Donley, Idaho, um, after being in California for a couple years, um, with the uh, county and the um, juvenile justice system um, there in the county to pick up what somebody had started to the point of a name. That was about as far as it got. Right. And um, saying there was an opportunity for a mentoring program. You were already working with um, kids in the juvenile system, um, meeting with them in jail or um, when either the courts would advocate for you to come and work with this kid or whatever. So you were already connected in in that regard. Um, Your position at the time um, at Donnelly Bible Church was as an associate pastor um, with a youth ministry and worship ministry emphasis. And, um, so we were, we were lots of hats on. 
and um, they presented us with a name. Um, it was called MIST. It was an acronym. M-Y-S-T. Mm-hmm. Mentoring Youth Supporting Teens. And the font was papyrus, and we knew that had to go. <laughs> <laughs> right. Could not hold on to yeah. it. Um, it looked like the video game, like or the yeah. computer game. Um, but uh, but we the idea behind it that um, mentoring and supporting teens in our community was obviously a, a social justice issue that was more than a more than a faith issue. It was. Um, we believed that the teens were the hope in our community and and we wanted to see them not survive this uh, small town, but we wanted to see them thrive as human beings, yeah. right? And so the opportunity to create a program where they could be connected with was like, oh my gosh, you just handed us gold. And the church absolutely supported us working on this project. The church that we were We were a by. part of, right. Um, and uh, so... Another uh, one of the, well, we had a couple of close people that we worked with within the county um, that um, helped us with, we worked on writing grants um, for this mentoring program. and Say we, but you did all this work. <laughs> <laughs> the back end, that we definitely had a had our parts in this, but yeah. the grants um, enable, that we started uh, applying for, um, were substantial in being able to launch this um, with the community. It started out as a in year one as a mentoring program. Year two, it moved to a teen center and um, and as a mentoring program, it was. I mean, it, really, all that we had in, intended from the beginning is that we would, you know, join hands with a couple other organizations that were pro youth in the community, including, you know, Valley County Court Services, right. Juvenile Court Services. I think I said court. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, uh, and and we would just uh, train mentors um, to connect with young people who were at risk youth. Mm-hmm. Um, at risk was we you know div- learned was a very very broad oh, term. That was the hardest <laughs> part of the grant. Yep, and uh, and so we uh, so that was where we started with, and then and from there we just started. Well, we started asking a lot of what if questions. Yeah, like, we did. What if we also did this? What if we offered this? And what if there was this available to mm-hmm. our youth? And what if, you know, and and it just kept growing and growing and growing and getting more and more attention and um and from, you know, I well, would the, say the, all, all the right connections, you know. The the ultimate uh goal one was to connect them with uh, solid adults in the community mm-hmm. that could, um, one could help reduce the rates of juveniles in the court systems. Um, we were working closely with one of the judges as well as the uh, juvenile corrections um, department to um, to create pathways for some of these kids to move into um, on, like a court ordered mentoring um, uh, relationship with an adult mm-hmm. in the community um, that we had trained. And um, uh, avoid jail time, avoid um, a higher consequence that could that you know that the yeah. judge felt was uh, could be handled through mentoring. And um, the hardest part, which was really interesting, um, Valley County um, was one of the wealthier counties in um, uh, Idaho, um, one of the larger counties outside of um, Boise area, um, and. But it was 
a three hours drive, two and a half, three hour drive from Boise, which a lot of us had a lot of our main services down there. If you wanted an orthodontist, if you wanted certain medical services, if you, you know, certain things everybody went to Boise for, right? Right. And um, so we weren't large enough to get some of those resources in the community. Um, but we were larger than other communities, so we had pull in from some of the smaller communities that used our resources. So it was this weird um, space where when we tried to define what high-risk youth was, it was very difficult. We had um, a zero um, pregnancy rate, and yet we knew <laughs> student, teen pregnancy rate, I should yeah. say. Um, we knew students who were pregnant, and they'd gone to Boise, and the medical services were all taken care of in Boise. So whether it was the full pregnancy or whether it was an abortion or whatever services that they had there, they were not being handled in Valley County. So we actually recorded a zero teen pregnancy rate and we knew that wasn't true. So in writing grants, um, we didn't actually have a problem. (laughs) We didn't have a problem. We didn't have high risk. Right. Students whose parents were in prison. Yeah. weren't necessarily being satisfied with resources in Valley County as they were in Ada County. Right. So we had a really tough time um, justifying grants and um, support because of some of these statistics. Because on paper, we didn't look like a high-risk community. We were actually a wealthy community. Right. Um, but um, the other thing that we didn't qualify for was a YMCA. And um, this was something that had been in the works for years and years and years, was trying to get something in there. So we broached the idea that um, could we as a community provide our own resource um, collectively, cooperatively amongst all of um, the local resources, government and faith-based, um, to provide a safe place for teens. Right. Um, we had a drug and alcohol problem in the high school at the level that colleges had um, in sororities and what's the other one? Yeah. I can't. One's a guy, one is a girl's thing. I I didn't, I wasn't involved in one. So anyway, at at a college level um, type type of situation. And so um, we had so many hidden issues in the community that we decided that we were going to take on this giant of creating and funding a safe place for teens to have extended opportunities to thrive as a teen, to be safe as a teen within our community. They were not safe as teens in our community. Um, suicide at the teen, the high school level was a regular occurrence, still is. Um, and my daughters know way too many people who have committed suicide in that community. Yeah. And so... Um, it was, uh, that's, that's kind of where the teen center idea birthed from, was taking the model of the mentoring part and bringing it into the teen center. And you had this brilliant idea. Oh, well, thank you very much. Of um, <laughs> how do, when we asked the question, how, if we could do this, how do we fund this outside of grants? We had some of that going on. Um, we tapped into some private funders, but we also looked to the faith-based community. And so this is an opportunity for all of you, the multiple churches that we had in the small community, um, and saying if everybody contributed, we could create a collective space where um, the net is broad and big 
and we can all be there to support. And to us, it but, was a beautiful idea. Yeah, and you know, when it when it came to the teen center, the the thing that we started thinking was that um, we wanted a safe space for you know the teens of our community to come and be where there mm-hmm. was um, where there were positive adults who cared about them, were available to them, but it was also a good time, you know. And so we had, um, you know, we we sourced and were able to procure this warehouse, you know, and um, we were able to build it out so that it, you know, we had computer workstations there, people that had to work on homework. We had a stage where people could, you know, with, you know, you know, music equipment, mm-hmm. people could, you know, play music to, you know, movie projectors to where we could, you know, have movie nights. We had, you know, uh, pool tables and Xboxes and, you know, mm-hmm. music that we could play. I mean, it was just like, it was, it was fun. Well, and we it was had, a good place. We had been given access to even an economy system where we were able to, going to be able to, we never got to that point, but where we could reward um, in an internal economy system, um, mm-hmm. accomplishments that they'd made in their um, their activity within the teen center yeah. that would uh, buy them things and they would learn how to use money and how to budget. And like everything was so, I think, so beautifully um, laid out. We had great thinkers involved. And then we had two, we built, we, uh, built a coffee shop it yeah. was outside of the teen center, but close by. Close by, yeah. Where we we actually hired the teens that were involved in the teen center to to work it as job mentoring opportunities. Mm-hmm. Still paid them. We actually hired right. them and paid them, um, and then you know to work within a, in a again a safe mm-hmm. you know space like that. We had a, a thrift store. You know, mm-hmm. people could donate items, and you know, and, and we teens had, worked there we as had well. Teens that worked there, and. You know, that kind of thing. So we had all of these components coming together that, you know, thought, again, I, I thought it was, it was a really great idea. You well, know? other um, people thought it was a really great idea outside of the community. I mean, we... Yeah, we, we had did. people from Boise. And, um, University know. of Idaho came down and visited with us and said, you know, how can we duplicate this idea right. in other communities, which was ultimate. I mean, like, that was... Hey, if this can work here, could we? How do we process? process? How do we? How do we box this up and hand it to another community? So a they small can do the same town thing. community yeah. where they could. Because it was a small town project. Project, yeah. yeah. And and who so, didn't get the resources that large communities correct. could get? Yeah. yeah. And so our idea was, you know, hey, let's not make this a faith-based, you know, yeah. nonprofit, um, but let's go to all of the churches in the area who were all, you know, there was, for a small town, there were seven or eight different churches that uh, um, had relatively small congregations, you know, and didn't have a lot of resources themselves for their Mm -hmm. youth or whatever else and say, hey, let's pool our resources here. Mm -hmm. You guys, you know, send people from your church community to to serve on our board so you have a voice in what we do even, right? Um, and then let's uh, let's support this together. And this will, instead of the, the church always asking, passing an offering plate, right. let's let this be a gift from the churches cooperating with the county, the governmental yeah. resources to give freely to the community for mm-hmm. our youth. Um, and everybody in the beginning 
Love that idea. And we, I mean, just, we had, I mean, we had local pastors that were getting together every, either, either every week or every other week mm-hmm. just to talk about Here, here's the crazy all of thing. this. We, we had, we had all the denominations on board all initially. The non- including the, the LDS, LDS church. church. Yeah. Yes. All meeting together. Yeah. LDS church, the Catholic church, the Nazarene, you know, the, the Nazarene, the Baptist the, church. Well, the Baptist, no. Well, no. Yeah, one of the Baptist churches, uh, the Pentecostal church, the you know the uh, mm-hmm. the Presbyterian church, you know, uh, they were all showing up, yeah. you know, um, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> I don't know if this is what you're wanting to talk about either. No, I think but, it's the whole thing. Yeah, then all of a sudden, the uh, the the question started coming up of, well, this is actually starting to look attractive, yeah. so. Who who gets to own it? <laughs> I'm like, well, it, it's owned by the community. Nobody owns yeah, it. Yeah, and we had strategically you know? set it up so that there was no church that yeah. owned this. Yeah. And I was like, but we all get a voice in it. We all get to participate in it. We all get to be a part of it, to be here, to, this to is a gift, connect not a with take. these like, kids. And, yeah. You know, and, and that sort of thing. And they were like, okay, well, what happens if, you know... One of these youth comes in, and they're from our church, but they connect with your youth pastor, and then they they decide they want to switch and start going to your church. And I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) Are you kidding me? So we're asking the question, who owns the kids? Yeah. Yeah. That imploded the entire thing. It Um, it absolutely did. I remember that very specific meeting. And I think what it also imploded... Um, was your optimism yeah. in um, the collective effort that people who loved God could actually come together yeah. on something. That um, maybe the gospel was grand enough, enough yeah. that, it, that we could all put aside our, you know, varied petty differences yeah. and just love kids. work on something together. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just love kids. Um. Now, I say the whole thing imploded on that. The teen center didn't implode. It became very difficult. Um, because well, what we had asked. Because we had had a commitment mm-hmm. from everyone going into it. Mm-hmm. Then we signed all the leases. We purchased the equipment. We yeah. raised the you know the donors. We'd all this kind of stuff. And all the churches then withdrew their support. <laughs> yeah. What we had asked for was you guys decide as a church what financial support you can, you can yeah. head this way. But what we're really looking for, and we had figured that it would work, that um, for you know five days of the week, um, a church took the volunteer end of the staffing, that they were there for the students. So you may not be a big enough church to have a youth ministry, but you can be invested in the youth community because people in your church have kids, you know, yeah. and and you care about your community, right? So you have an opportunity one day a week to just provide us um, somebody who's going to take these hours from like three o'clock to you know seven o'clock or something. Yeah. And that's what that was the big one. This is how the teen center stays um, alive. Is once our grant money runs out, we we need to sustain volunteers and we need to well, obviously sustain funding. But um, we were it was easy in a sense to get things donated to the teen center. Um, we had very gracious people who were saying, we believe in, you know, the teens needing all of these things. 
we didn't have some of the, the opportunities for teens regarding you know languages and media production and music production and but we had incredibly talented teens in the community that that just needed a leg up to learn these things or to learn how to use photoshop so they could become right. a photographer or you know whatever and we had cameras donated and i mean it was just it was it was beautiful right it was absolutely beautiful and we had we had people come through town and, and offer concerts for our kids and um in in and it was just uh, it, it was, it was beautiful. Yeah. And it rested. Unfortunately, we learned hindsight. We shouldn't have done this, but it rested on the promise that the churches were going to participate at this level. And, um, and it was, it was a sad day for you and I, I think it, it broke a lot in us when we saw how petty um, the churches had become the pastors um, vying for how many kids would come to their youth group or how they can start their own thing in, on their property instead and that's, of... And that happened so many times. We had like three churches that decided they were going to build their own thing on, on their, their property. property. And yeah. I'm like, guys, this is <laughs> like financially, it's a no-brainer. We all put into the same pool and we help the same kids. It, these graduating classes were some usually somewhere between 50 and 100 kids we're not talking about a lot of kids to split around the community. Um, this, this was, um, it, it, it was, it was crazy. We had, I got myself very invested in um, social resources, uh, government resources, things that were non-church related within the community, um, the school system, um, meeting with everything from superintendents to um, health services to everything in between. And we had, like, amazing support from everyone in the community except the churches. Yeah. And um, and it, at some point, we actually had um, one of our neighbors who's just a beautiful human being. Him and his wife are, are amazing humans. Um, I still connect with everything that they post on social media. <laughs> I think we're all on the same path um, in our thinking. But... Um, one day he, he took us upstairs in the re recording studio for the teen center above the coffee shop. And he, um, he said, okay, Jess, I just want you to sit here and take these post-its and I want you to start writing on the things that you do. Um, and I want you to put them on the wall. And I covered three, three portions of this wall, like three walls, right? And I just sat back and I went, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. You know, the, the, um, the pride, the arrogance, and the selfishness of the local churches literally broke me um, to being able to continue that project. Um, and at some point, you know, I'd, you and I had sacrificed a great deal, but, you know, it was, this is the social justice part of me. It, it wasn't just tasks to be done. Yeah. It had become part of me. I didn't know how to separate myself. And when we moved away, we made the decision to move out of McCall and to Spokane. I remember telling you, I feel like I'm leaving a child behind. This project had become so deeply connected with who I was that I didn't know. I didn't really know who to be outside of fighting for this, fighting for these kids, you know? Um Sometimes Kaylee will ask me who, 
you know, something, this was a weird situation. This particular kid was at our house all the time and you guys were always leaving to deal with this situation. And they were at different ages. They were maybe too young to understand, but, um, our investment with the teens in that community was deep and it was a sacrifice to our family. Um, and at that moment, seeing those post-its, I just went, I can't. I can't do this much anymore without the support of the faith community. Um, we, we couldn't sustain, we couldn't write enough grants. We, we actually just needed them to stop fighting um, and just say the kids were more important than how many people ended in their pews. And they couldn't do it. They just yeah. absolutely couldn't do it. Um, and that, that was a huge wake-up call to me to the system of church. And it was also a great wake-up call to me to how hard the other community programs were working to solve problems, like at a very deep level, mental health problems, yeah. issues within the community, um, financially, um, uh, resources, um, everything from the juvenile justice system to um, uh, um, like social services, like see like what we you would consider CPS um all of those things all, all the things that people were doing working so hard and the church was like well, if they're not in my pews they're yeah. not for me you know and it was just like it was eye-opening it was it was it eye-opening was. and I and I think it was something that we had suspected and tried not and to believe was tried true. not to believe all along and there just came a point when when we kept giving the benefit of the doubt, kept giving the benefit of the doubt, and there was one point where it's like, we just can't anymore. Yeah. Um, this is, they're about something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't think that that fire ever died for me. Um, I don't know that I want to necessarily work in nonprofit again. Uh, there's a lot involved in nonprofit a lot I had to learn along the way that um, honestly is uh, more brain capacity than I think I have anymore (laughs) Um, but uh, I think those of us who are justice driven and desire to be a voice for those who can't be a voice which is what we were choosing to do at that time um, it's it is a lonely road yeah and um, uh, it was probably one of the th- projects that I that I participated in that that in one sense felt the most um, satisfying. Like like for my skill sets, I learned so much about myself. I had no idea I could do things <laughs> that I was doing in this project. Yeah, you were um, you were highly regarded in that community for <laughs> what you produced, for um, sure. But in the end, we were also equally um, disliked. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Um, and that. Yeah. That well, we that. certainly had our uh, had our haters. There's no doubt. Yeah. Yeah, because we weren't doing it right. Yeah. Um, those haters came almost entirely from the church. I think so. Because it came down to that we weren't 
well, we literally had, we literally had one pastor, like literally had a conversation about this where they said, so how are you going to tell them that they're sinners? <laughs> and we're like, we don't intend to. I mean, what would the point of that be? <laughs> this, this is a teen center. You know, it's oh, like, when are you going to convert them? And then what church do they go yeah, to? Yeah. And they're like, well, that is, I mean, that, that would be the only thing that'd be worth our, our time and our investment Yeah, is if you were, you know, and we we're like, okay, well then <laughs> it's just, and I, I wanted then. to say, guys, you don't understand these guys, <laughs> these teens have called your bluff a long time ago. Yeah. They're yeah. so not there with you. Yeah. So how about we just help them survive, you know, atrocities? We had we had kids that were being sexually abused by parents and um, kids who were being absolutely abandoned and um, sharing, you know, drug binges with their parents. And I mean, this isn't this wasn't about what pew they're going to sit in. This is right. are they going to be right. alive when they graduate high right. school? Right. And um, and they just couldn't they couldn't rest you know, grasp that weight. Um, that wasn't what they valued. Yeah. Um, there's part of me, we, we left to save our family. Our daughter was at risk in that community because uh, it was a high-risk community. Right. And, um, and, the, and yet there's still a part of me that's, like, I, I wanted to win the war that was there too, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if we could have. It doesn't look like it from we what's happening have. there it right was, now. It was, but. A, it was a deeply, deeply systemic issue that was going to take way more than the two of us. Yeah. <laughs> and I shouldn't just say that. I mean, there were, we had amazing people that worked yeah. with us. Yeah. But the community, that the faith community burned us all out mm-hmm. um, right out of town. Um, so, burned us all out and just burned us. Yeah. Yeah, left us high and dry. Yeah, I I am now more expansive in my thinking that uh, there are some really great community social programs and there are great nonprofits who are trying to do more than pick up litter around town from the homeless, but they're actually trying to keep people alive and um, give them one more day um, to change life. Yeah. And if it takes, you know, a thousand one more days... They're going to be there to do that. Um, and I don't know that they really give a shit about what garbage was left on the ground because there's probably a crew to pick that up. Um, but they're concerned that someone stays alive. And um, I think we just, we really have to rethink how um, we integrate within our communities and what the systemic problems are. Stop trying to pound pigeon spikes to solve the problem yeah and it's you know there are all of the services are necessary you know absolutely it's absolutely necessary they'll be the first to tell you my service won't solve this problem (laughs) it's one of many that are needed to collectively do this work yeah yes i was thinking even the the ones that aren't human-centered so mm-hmm. picking yeah. up trash and cleaning graffiti and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, those services are very necessary, too. The problem is, is that those services have almost become more valued than human services. Yeah. Because 
we like the outcomes of those services. They're very easy to see. It makes things look pretty. <laughs> yeah. It makes things look clean. It makes makes life nice for yeah. us. But uh, but we don't value the human services because the human services are um, messy. Well, they're they're messy, complicated. They're ongoing. They're you know you don't have a project and now you set a budget and now it's finished. You yeah. know, it's that like, was the problem with grants. Yeah, it's always just going to keep going. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And you know, we don't we, we have those services so that we don't have to be bothered by those yeah. people. You know, whoever those people are, whether it's a homeless or whether it's at risk mm-hmm. youth or whether it's you know whatever who whomever right. it is, right? Um, and so, yeah, it, it, this isn't this isn't about you know something's not in there, you know, we, we shouldn't be beautifying our cities or whatever, you know, but it is about, you have to think at times that we've really, really gotten our priorities. Yeah. Up. Yeah. I mean, just like, I mean, like really. Yeah. You Cause know? I, you know, I think what they've done down in the, um, riverfront park here in Spokane and revamped the entire park yeah. and these playgrounds and all this stuff very community oriented and um you know when I first got here I already thought it was a beautiful park but they've you know gone above and beyond that and made this yeah. exceptional place to be and and yet we still have a homeless problem right and yeah. um and I think that because we always will right and um and we still have potholes and we still have other things, yeah. but we have a really beautiful park. And and there's just some of this where it's going to take all of us to keep rethinking how we view these things and what part we can participate in. I still don't know here in Spokane what part I participate in. Yeah. Um, because I think it's, uh, I just don't know where I personally right. get to land. Right. But, um, and of course, the pandemic, you know, changes a lot of things for a lot of people too. But. Right. Anyway, now you're watching the time and you're like, No, oh, honestly, okay. it's like it, you're it's answering, getting uh, hot in yeah, here. Yeah, it is because that light's and, on too. Yeah, and, you know, we already don't feel great. <laughs> I need more noon. I don't know about a noon teeny, but I need more, more noon. More noon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, anyway. Okay. Yeah. I love you just the way you are. Mm, thank you. There is nothing wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish if my brain could rest once in a while. I know. I know, but, um, I just, this this is, this is who you're wired to be. This is who we're wired to Mm -hmm. be. Um, and, and I just think it's important to, I think it's, I think it's important for everybody to, to know how they're wired to be and then just to live fully within that. Mm -hmm. Not try to be something else, not try to wish they were more of this or that or the other. Mm Mm-hmm. I wasted a lot of years on that, wishing I was something other than I was, you know, um, and, uh, yeah, I, I like our sacred space. (laughs) Me too. But anyway, enough of that. Till next time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. See you at the beach.